this whole social isolation, social distancing, quarantining, all of these things that we've been going through in the last few months and will probably continue in some version for the foreseeable future have almost all socialized us to isolate. Um, we talked about this earlier that we've all been kind of socialized to stay in our house and to isolate and to not have contact with other people. And that's just a breeding ground for women to not get help when they need it. So within maintaining distance and keeping safe and staying away from people that are sick and taking care of yourself and all of those things, really do reach out and be proactive, even if you're someone that's kind of uncomfortable talking about their feelings. Scary fears. Scary fun. Scary mommy speaks. <laughs> and we're back with another episode. How's your week, Ashley? It was pretty good, you know. Um, I started to work out and uh, I feel like it's really helping with my mental health at this point in time. Do I look healthier to you? You actually do look healthier to me. You've got a glow. You're looking fit. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally on board for that. Yeah. You know, everybody has different ways of managing their stress. You know, for me, it tends to be talking and talking a lot. And sometimes about my stress. Sometimes about every other thing. You know, if there's one thing I know to be true about you, it is that you do love to talk. And lucky for you, we're talking today about how to manage stress during this challenging time while we, moms, are raising our kids or are home with our newborns. And you know, honestly, I could really use some tips because I have been home this entire time with an almost three-year-old son, my son Sebastian, and um, he's driving me crazy sometimes, a lot of times. So I could really, I could use a break. You know, Luna is almost 19 months old and she's running around and acting crazy and throwing stuff at the television. And without a lot of space to let her run free, I've been really stressed out about (laughs) her breaking things in uh, an apartment that isn't mine and all the other sundried things that come along with 19-month-old little girls throwing food, tantrums. It's just a little bit more intense right now, and it's making things a little stressful. And so today, we are talking with a nursing expert, Dr. Heidi Fantasia. Not only is she an RN, she's also an associate professor at the University of Massachusetts Lowell. And she's a member of AWAN, which is the Association of Women's Health Obstetric and Neonatal Nurses. We'll also get to talk to Tabitha, who is a mom of two from Alaska. I cannot wait to talk to her. She has a really wonderful story about her very own mental health hero and the importance of communicating when you're feeling overwhelmed. Yes to communication. I've been saying it all along. And I can't wait to talk to our guest after this. Scary Mommy Speaks is brought to you by Huggies, who knows how important it is to hear from moms who are in the same boat. They get it. This is a moment in time where we could all use a helping hug, information from a trusted source, and some levity to brighten our day. Isn't that the truth? Being in isolation, this kind of connection has meant so much. Thank you, Huggies, for making moms feel seen. Our first guest is Dr. Heidi Fantasia, PhD. 
She's a board-certified women's health nurse practitioner and an associate professor in the Solomon School of Nursing, Zuckerberg College of Health Sciences at the University of Massachusetts Lowell. She is going to give us some advice on dealing with stress and anxiety during these uncertain times. So thank you, Dr. Fantasia, for coming and speaking with us today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Could you tell us about what you do and your experience with nursing? Sure. So I am a women's health nurse practitioner, and I've been a women's health nurse practitioner for the past 23 years. I've spent most of that time working in public health settings, uh, family planning clinics, STD clinics. And you are affiliated with AWAN. I am affiliated with AWAN. I've been a member of AWAN for probably over 20 years, maybe even closer to 30 years. They have been a wonderful support for women, really a voice for women in all aspects of women's health. How is this time of uncertainty adding stress to our moms? So stresses vary across the board, and a lot of them vary depending upon the age of the infant or the age of the children or how many children a mom might have. So for a new mom that has a new baby a month, a few months old, right now she's probably feeling a very general sense of isolation. Visitors have been restricted in the hospital. People have been wanting to distance from other people and afraid of getting sick. So brand new moms are probably feeling pretty isolated from their general support group. Moms of older children, whether they're preschool or kindergarten or school age, have been dealing with having their children home for a few months and having to assume that role of teacher on top of already being a mom. And especially if they have multiple children of different ages, they all have different needs and they all have different levels of independence. And so moms right now are learning to be moms. They're learning to be teachers. They're being the primary entertainer for their children. And so those have all added to a lot of stressors that moms of children of all ages are feeling. You know, it's interesting because I felt isolated even not during this time when I first had a baby. That's something that women feel when they have a newborn anyway. So I'm sure it's made more intense during this time. Yeah. What are signs that a mom might be feeling overwhelmed, stressed, anxious? What should we be looking for? So a lot of these feelings are completely normal and they're referred to as typically baby blues. Feeling tired, feeling a little overwhelmed, feeling a little anxious, even bouts of crying can all be very, very normal for new moms. It's just when these feelings start to ramp up or the intensity of the feelings. So anytime a mom feels overwhelmed to the point of really not being able to function, feeling exhausted to the point that she can't get out of bed, just general tasks that happen during the day, showering, And I know that's kind of funny because we all joke as new moms that you're lucky if you Mm -hmm. get a shower once every couple of days, but not changing clothes, not getting dressed, not interacting so much with the baby, losing interest in the baby, or these feelings of really intrusive thoughts, concerned about harming herself or concerned about harming the baby. Those are emotions and feelings that we start to get far more concerned about beyond just the routine I don't know if I'm doing this right and I'm really tired 
kind of feelings that all new moms have. I feel that way now during quarantine, and I didn't even just have a baby. (laughs) So there's been all of these multiple roles that have been put on women from the beginning of this, and then just not knowing when it's really going to have a finite end is adding to that sense of anxiety because some people don't know when they're going to have to go back to the office again. Some people don't know when their daycare is going to open again or if school's going to open in the same way in the fall, all the way up from preschool through college. And so that uncertainty is really fueling that anxiety. What can we say to new moms on how to handle these emotions that can even be rough when we're not in the middle of this big global crisis? I always recommend that women reach out and ask for help if they need it. And I think a lot of times as women, we're almost socialized to not ask for help, that, you know, this was supposed to be our role. And as part of a mom, you're supposed to take care of your kids and run your house and kind of do it all. There is absolutely nothing wrong with reaching out and saying, hey, I need some help here. So it really would encourage women to reach out to whoever they might be able to reach out to, whether it's a friend that they might feel comfortable taking older children for a walk, while you wear your masks, you know, you can stay kind of far away from each other, or someone that might be able to come over and help with some of the household tasks, or is there someone else in the household with them that can assume some of these tasks? Because that really does help quite a bit and reduces the feeling of everything being overwhelming and piling up. What are some things that partners can do? And maybe what are some tips for moms to express their feelings to their partners? I would really encourage all moms to reach out to partners and be just very clear and direct about what they can do specifically to help. Because what you hear from partners a lot of times and said, well, I would have done that. I didn't know that, you know, if I had just done the laundry or got supper on the table, this would have really helped. We've talked about the signs we might detect in our moms who might need support, but how do you suggest approaching a friend if you notice these signs and she doesn't seem like herself? I think being direct and being kind with your words is always the best way to go about this. I have direct down. I need to work on the kind part. (laughs) Kind is always good, but it is really important to be clear about what you're asking and always phrasing it in a way such as, I'm concerned about you for this reason. So it doesn't sound like you're criticizing the way that they're parenting. We mommy shame all the time right? We judge moms for whether they breast or bottle feed. We judge moms for whether they use cloth diapers or disposable. We judge working moms. We judge moms who stay home. I could go on and on and on. We judge moms for every small little thing that they do. And so in this case, you certainly don't want to make it seem like this is just yet another judgment that I know better than you about how to parent your baby or how to raise your children. So just stating in a way of, you know, I'm concerned and this is why I'm concerned helps take some of that judgmental tone down. For moms who don't have a partner or a support group or those who don't feel that they can lean on someone in their circle, are there virtual groups that moms can connect to? 
My advice would be to first start with the healthcare provider that they worked with for their pregnancy and also the healthcare provider that their infant or their children see for their routine care. Because many of these support groups, whether it's support groups for moms with postpartum depression or new moms or moms with other children, they've all gone virtual. And they're all different depending upon what geographical area that you live in. And so connecting with the providers that either you saw for your pregnancy or that your children see is one way to vet those programs. Just as a side note, since we're talking about mental health, I've found that a couple of my friends who were hesitant to seek any sort of counseling in person because of, you know, all the stigma or whatever that is around it, it's kind of a gateway for them because they feel comfortable doing it virtually. And now they really enjoy it. And I, I do think that when things open back up again, they'll meet in person because there is nothing like that one-on-one. But it's really nice that it it was sort of a gateway for them to seek the help that they needed. And that's a really important point because there is so much stigma associated with seeking treatment for mental health. There's just so much stigma surrounding mental health issues in this country. But it's nice for people to have that option. And it really is important for people to address their mental health, especially given what everyone has gone through in the last couple of months. I mean, it has been traumatic for everybody. And we're really just not sure what is going to happen. And that not knowing just fuels that anxiety and that isolation and that worry that everyone's been feeling over the last few months. You've made it super clear that reaching out is so vital. I agree. Why is it so important to communicate and connect with family and friends right now? There are certain rituals and events, gatherings that normally happen around pregnancy and around childbirth and infants and children's lives. And all of those things have been put on hold. So there's this sense of loss, really, that goes around with all of that. And finding ways to connect to people in your family, connect with friends that you normally saw on a regular basis, that adds some layer of normalcy back to everything that's going on at a time that's not normal at all. And it really will help with people with their mental health, reducing that sense of isolation, but also reducing that sense of loss and the grieving that goes along with that sense of loss as well. So we've all been Zooming so, so much right now that a lot of us are getting Zoom fatigue. Are there any other ways that we can really connect or manage our Zoom time so we don't get tired of it? So that is a really, really great question. And Zoom fatigue is real. And especially if you have a mom that is working remotely and that most of her work has been turned into Zoom meetings, there are many many of us living the Zoom life right now. And so to have the Zoom meetings associated with your employment, which you have to do because you're working remotely, but then on top of that, having someone say, hey, join my you know, Zoom tea time or join my Zoom virtual cocktail hour. The thought of that could be almost overwhelming if you've spent a good chunk of your day on Zoom already. And so people have to be aware of what is their tolerance for certain things like this. And you can be Zoomed out. It is possible to feel like that and just say, I I can't handle one more Zoom meeting today. I'm very, very sorry. 
so maybe a quick video conference on your phone might be one way to do this, group text messages. And as restrictions start to get lifted, depending upon where you live and what it's like in your state, the weather's getting better, trying to find some ways to safely reintegrate back into society and be out of your house and talking to people, that will be incredibly helpful. Could you give us three easy tips that people can do at home to practice good mental health hygiene? So my three biggest tips for improving anyone's mental health, decrease your amount of time on social media. Social media can be wonderful for staying connected. There's absolutely some benefits to social media. It can also be a really dark place sometimes Mm -hmm. too. And so decreasing the amount of time on social media, I think for everyone, but especially for new moms who are feeling particularly vulnerable and questioning whether or not they're doing this right or wrong, to be careful about what social media sites you follow. Because on social media, we can portray our life in any way we want, right? You know, we can kind of curate the perfect billboard of our life with the perfect clothes and the perfect vacation and the perfect stage photos that maybe took 25 takes to get your children to line up like that in the matching outfits. And so it can add a lot of self-doubt to women to think, well, why isn't my life like that? Why am I having such a hard time? And these people seem to be having a perfect time in parenting. And why aren't I happy like that? So decreasing the amount of time that you spend on social media. Turn off the news. Would be that my was a game changer tip. for me, not to interrupt, but... I was going to say, these two tips are really hitting home for me right now. <laughs> these are game changers, yeah. Turning off the news. So we live in an era where we can get the news 24-7. Not only would I encourage people to turn off the news or decrease their consumption of the news, maybe turn off those push notifications, whether it's from a news outlet, it's from a newspaper... The news is important. We all do need to stay updated with what's going on, but we don't need to consume it all day long, especially with everything that's gone on lately. It is emotionally exhausting to watch that all the time. And my third tip for good mental health is to go outside, exercise, take a walk. It does amazing things for your mental health. And if you can walk with another human being properly socially distanced and however you feel comfortable doing that, adding back some type of human interaction will also help as well. So less social media, less news, more outside time and exercise would be my three biggest tips right now. I'm not a doctor, but I also recommend hugging trees. It's been really good for me. You know, it's funny. People will say they really miss hugging other people, you know, and some people are just huggers and they need that kind of human connection. Other people, not so much, not so huggy, but some people really are. And they will say that they really, really miss being able to touch another person and just go up and hug them. And so there is, like I said, a a sense of loss that goes along with all of this. People's routines have just changed so much. Are there preventative measures before you go to the place where you feel like your mental health might be in, in danger? 
unfortunately, no, I don't think we can ever prevent it, but we can know who's at risk and we can do things to try to improve our mental health and then also intervene sooner. And I think that's probably one of my biggest take-homes to all of this is we may not be able to prevent someone from having mental health issues, but we can intervene sooner and we can do things to make people feel better so that they're not struggling for a certain amount of time when we could have gone in there sooner and helped them out. As a recap, we want moms to ask for help, talk to friends, tell your partners what you need, talk to your doctor right away before you're even feeling stressed, and reach out to your mom friends to make sure they're okay. Absolutely. Those are all really, really important things. This whole social isolation, social distancing, quarantining, all of these things that we've been going through in the last few months and will probably continue in some version for the foreseeable future have almost all socialized us to isolate. Um, We talked about this earlier that we've all been kind of socialized to stay in our house and to isolate and to not have contact with other people. And that's just a breeding ground for women to not get help when they need it. So within maintaining distance and keeping safe and staying away from people that are sick and taking care of yourself and all of those things, really do reach out and be proactive, even if you're someone that's kind of uncomfortable talking about their feelings. This is a time that we really do want people to talk about how they're feeling and really reach out to people and say, you know what, I need some help. And there's zero shame in that. That's amazing. Thank you so much for all of this. Thank you. Your insight is incredibly valuable. So, Oh, thank you so much. It was a pleasure speaking to both of you. It really was. And I do really hope that women reach out, they advocate for themselves, and they ask for help when they need it. Me too. Absolutely. So right after I had Sebastian, I remember just feeling so lonely all the time. And every day what I looked forward to was my mom's short visit after work. And then I had a little bit of time in between when she would leave and my husband would come home from work. And it was just, that was my whole day, being lonely and waiting for human interaction. And that was before everything that's been happening now and social distancing and people's families not being able to meet their brand new babies. So I think it's really important to have a really good support network in place, like Dr. Fantasia mentioned. Dr. Fantasia was talking about how nothing compares to one-on-one personal interaction, and I agree, but it's so interesting because we have a story next up about a woman that found the next best thing, and it's not at all anything I would have thought of doing, but after I heard it, I'm like, yeah, that's one-on-one interaction. I know. I, that's exactly how I felt, which is why I was so excited to speak to our upcoming guest, Tabitha is going to tell us her story on staying connected during a very isolating time. This next segment is a feel-good dose of helping hugs brought to you by Huggies. Hi, Tabitha. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Good, good. You So you said you were located in Anchorage, Alaska? I am. Yep. That's very cool. Yeah, I've been up here for about six years. Moved here from Washington State. And how many kids do you have? I have two kiddos. My oldest name's Wiley, 
and um, my youngest, Wilder, and she's here. So every now and then she's, <laughs> I hear her singing. So anyway, hopefully uh, she doesn't get distracting. Thank God for screen time. Yeah. Yep. I love your kids' names too, by the way. Good job with that. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, they're living up to them. So I don't know. I may pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been homeschooling and managing a lot at home with your kids, but you have a friend you really started connecting with. Can you tell us the story? Yeah, so uh, Billy and I have been friends for many years. Then she ended up moving out of state, but her and I have just kept in touch, and she has two boys. And so we go back and forth and talk a lot. I would say we're, we're allies, mommy allies, and even though you know we're not always experiencing the same things, we're able to listen to each other without judgment. And it's just been so huge for me. Right around the time that we went into hunker down mode here in Alaska, I also left my career to stay home with my daughter. She has special needs. And I reached out to Billy and I said, Hey, you know what? I, I need someone to talk to. And do you think we could just like set a date and chat? once a week. And so she was like, yeah, let's do it. And because of our time difference, she's in North Carolina now. So we're four hours apart. So we do videos and go back and forth. And it kind of went from one day to several days a week. And really just whenever something comes up and we need a sounding board. So you had to begin communicating virtually. Yeah. You know, texting is super convenient. But we've been doing the videos and it's actually kind of fun. It's a way for us to see each other's homes and our kiddos every now and then. It feels more sincere, more real, I think, to connect with each other that way too. So it's not like you're FaceTiming. You're basically like, you make a video, you send it. She makes a video and respond. Oh, that's so cute. I love yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> that's so cute. Occasionally we will have FaceTime or make just a phone call. It's funny because she usually sends me messages from her kitchen while she's cooking. A lot of times I'm sitting in my car waiting for my kiddos during therapy sessions and stuff. Anyway, so we have certain places and certain times of the day that just works better for us. So doing these videos is actually, it's worked out really well and it's fun. It's been so good for, I think, both of us during this time, especially. What made you reach out to her? I wanted to start working out more and I know that she eats really healthy and she's always been really good about working out. And so I was like, she would be a good person for me to help me stay accountable for what I'm doing. It's really brought us closer. I feel like we get to talk about so many different things and I know that we don't necessarily always parent the same, but we respect each other and we aren't judging each other it just feels like she's a safe person for me to talk to. So that's why you decided on a weekly check-in is to maintain accountability, really? Yeah. And also, I, um, I felt like I needed someone else to talk to. And she was like, yeah, let's do this. I could use that too. So that's where, where it all started, just realizing that we needed someone to talk to, you know? That's sort of what this podcast is for Ashley and I. It's like our, our weekly accountability check-in for each mm -hmm. other, you know, because yeah. we're safe spaces for each other. So it's great that you have yeah. that. Yeah. Can you tell us what the videos are like? Yeah. So I feel like overall, we kind of try to keep them lighthearted. 
you know, this morning we actually exchanged messages and I was having a rough morning and I actually, I sent her just a quick video and I was like, oh, you would not believe what just happened to me. I was standing in my bathroom getting ready and just venting real quick. So it's us and our, you know, we're our real selves. We're also getting to know each other more and in different ways by this form of communication. So these videos are kind of like a, like a journal that responds to you, right? Mm-hmm. It, definitely. I can't wait. Let's hear a snippet from one of your videos. Good morning. So I'll probably keep this fairly short because I've got um, wild ones in the background. Also, don't ever apologize for long videos. I love your videos. It's one of my highlights. I love hearing how you're doing and just talking to you and keeping in touch. So don't ever worry about if your video is too long because there is really no sense. Anyway, um, best of luck to you and take care. Love you. So in the story you sent, you said your friend became a lifeline once the pandemic hit. Can you explain a little bit more about that? Yeah. For me, I was not only all of a sudden at home with my kids, but I was also just transitioning from leaving my job. And I had a lot on my mind. All of the people that we have to help us, we couldn't see. And even though I know she can't necessarily directly relate, she's just been there to listen. It's brought a little bit of light to the situation for me. And as far as mental health goes, I think that we're all experiencing stress and anxiety and as we're adapting to this sort of new lifestyle and being able to work through that in this sort of different format has been so helpful for me. I really hope other people out there, you don't even have to be a parent, like that they have somebody like this that they can reach out to. You said that despite being the furthest apart since your friendship of 15 years, it's the closest you've ever been. Mm -hmm. Do you think that the virtual aspect has helped that? I didn't expect that it would, but... I think that being able to see each other, even though it's not always a active conversation or in the moment, real time, there's still just so much realness to it. You know, I see her at home with her boys and we're talking about the things that are happening in our life. It's been surprisingly, I don't know, authentic. And I really appreciate that about it and and grateful that we are able to go back and forth like we do. What kinds of things do you talk about with Billy that you feel like you can't share with your family or neighbors or coworkers in that same way? I talk a lot about my feelings around my daughter and her disabilities. Um, It's been a really big struggle for us. And it's an emotionally safe place for me with her. And we... We complain about our husbands a little bit, and they're really amazing men, but <laughs> occasionally, you know, they do things that are, are kind of frustrating. And, and That's just so, a rite of passage. Yeah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> they're so awesome, and they're supportive. And in fact, it's been really cool because occasionally, you know, they pop on and say hi. You know, they're really supportive of us having this communication, which I think is also really neat, and it's a good thing that they recognize that we need our friendship. We go all over the place, you know? I mean, we talk about our bodies and as moms, our bodies have been through so much. And we talk about our scars and 
you know, things like that that you don't necessarily uh, tell everybody about. Some people don't want to hear it. And I, and I understand that. So, I mean, listen, Carrie and I get it. We talk about it with an audience. So we mm-hmm. absolutely understand what you're saying. <laughs> Is there anything you'd like to say to Billy now? I will say that, Billy, you are just an amazing mom. And I appreciate you so, so much. I don't know where I would be without you. Thank you for being open and just available. And I don't know, I mean, I I could go on and on. I just, I feel so lucky to have her. You know, I've said it once and I'll say it again. It's all about communicating, whether it's in person or not. I really love that video idea. You think we should do it? I don't know. I think it could be fun. You could watch me work out or we could work out together. I think that's great. Yeah, I just think it's great that there's ways to constantly stay connected with family and friends. And it's just, that's so important. Talking it out with someone and just saying how you feel with no filters like Tabitha and Billy can make all the difference. With the help of Huggies, we are able to reach so many of you and your wonderful stories. So keep talking to us, Scary Mommies. Like right now, if you have a helping hug story to share about how you're managing your little ones at home during this challenging time, send it to us at scarymommyvideo at gmail.com. And we might feature your story on the podcast. And we'll also be hearing from another expert from A1 next week, Nancy Travis, a progressive RN director of Women and Neonatal Services. We'll be answering our questions on managing time with our children when you're so social distancing, working, and not being able to access childcare. I cannot wait for that one. A big thank you to Huggies for partnering with Awan, who has connected us to experts in the field like Nancy. And all the nurses we've spoken to have been such incredible sources of information. And now it's time for us to practice some of these strategies we've learned. All right, mamas, thank you so much for joining us today. We had a blast. If you love this show, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts to help more moms find us. And if you want more Scary Mommy, be sure to subscribe to Scary Mommy Speaks wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want even more Scary Mommy, subscribe to Scary Mommy TV on YouTube. Scary Mommy Speaks is a Some Spider production. This episode was produced by Dorothy Abrams and Julie Katakis. Edited by Dorothy Abrams. Music provided by Audio Network. Don't forget, we want to hear from you. So email your comments to speaks at scarymommy.com. Scary Mommy Speaks.